I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is Tech Central. It's been a while since our last podcast, so welcome back to the show. If you haven't subscribed to our channel on YouTube yet, uh, please do so. Now, my next guest, I first met, I think, about seven or eight years ago now. Um, he was running a company at the time called Waytag, which was kind of, um, I don't know how I'd describe it, Warren, a hashtag for, for locations, I think, is how we described it originally on, on Tech Central when we interviewed you back then. Um, I think there are quite a few companies operating in that kind of space now. Um, Warren Fenter, welcome to the podcast. Um, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Yeah, thank you, Duncan. It has been a while. I mean, uh, the way tag, funny enough, was back in 2009. Can you believe it? It's even wow. further. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my, my first uh, foray into the tech space. And um, it was a really interesting learning curve. As you said, I mean, a few people have sort of jumped onto that bandwagon now. Um, and then I moved into Money for Jam. And then from Money for Jam, when we sold that, I moved into this fintech space, which has been keeping me really busy. So, yeah, I've been, since I left the medical schemes industry, I've been involved in tech since uh, 2009 and learned some expensive lessons, um, but also had a lot of fun along the way. Okay. And now you're involved in the cryptocurrency market, which is one of the hottest spaces in tech right now. Well, I mean, we've integrated with crypto. So the interesting part is we've created a bridge between crypto and fiat, which I think is quite an interesting space. Yeah. Um, so not, not technically in the crypto space itself, but most certainly um, making crypto a currency in the sense that we, we're enabling, enabling people to use their crypto value to pay for products and services. Right. So we're going to get into that in some, some detail. Your new venture is called 6.50. And um, as you've alluded, you, you allow um, holders of cryptocurrency for pay, to pay for goods and services. I believe it over 40,000 merchants in South Africa. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of what it is exactly that you're doing, where does the name 6.50 come from? So the, the real starting point for 6.50 was I was spending a lot of time in Zimbabwe and Malawi, and I was trying to find an alternative way for people to transact. And I very quickly realized that, you know, the, the dollar was very sought after specifically in Zimbabwe uh, because of the, you know, the demise of the local currency value. So the whole idea was to launch a digital dollar voucher solution, which would allow emerging market customers to hold a dollar value store as a hedge against their local currency. And 6.50 actually, funny enough, comes from the Rand dollar exchange rate, uh, which was in January 2011. Huh. Uh, we, were, we were at 6.50 to the dollar, and that was the strongest the Rand has been in the last 10 years. So it kind of made sense for us to remind ourselves that, you know, at 6.50, the Rand wasn't being, doing too badly. And I'm sitting at 14 Rand, you know, 50 now, it shows you how far the Rand has depreciated yeah. over, over the last couple of years. So it just reminds us that we need to find a solution for emerging market customers to hold real value. And in this case, it's the dollar. It's a funny story that because I often used to drive down the M1 in Johannesburg, and I think it was Sasfin that had a had the currency, the dollar rand exchange rate on a big electronic billboard outside of their offices. And I used to drive past that almost every day. And I remember at one stage it was sitting at five rand fifty to the US dollar, and I thought, oh, this is terrible. The currency is in such a weak <laughs> <Exactly>. state. <laughs> now we're sitting at fourteen something to the dollar. So, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing what happens. No, it's exactly, it's, it's exactly right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Warren. So let's let's talk a bit about six dot fifty and what it is you guys do. You 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 um you uh, you create a bridge is the term you used uh, between the world of cryptocurrencies and fiat. Um, how exactly does it work? So so what we did, Duncan. Maybe go back a little ways. I was looking for a new way for people to pay. So you know the typical way of us getting people to transact digitally is we try and get them into the banking system and we try and get you know the KYC light and 
And we, we sort of put people through the hoops or get them to jump through the hoops in order to qualify. And, and unfortunately, the banking system has failed to meet the needs of billions of people you know, across the planet or across the planet in terms of being able to access financial services. So I wanted to find a new way for people to transact without the need to own a bank account. Um, and the only way for me to find you know, a solution for that was to look at uh, the traditional fiat banking system and then to compare it with the crypto system. And, and crypto itself wasn't well received when I was starting to sort of trying to find a solution around payments. And um, I looked at the vouchering sort of, uh, solution and said, well, why can't we create money vouchers? Um, and you know, money voucher in this case is a digital rand or a digital dollar or a digital euro, but not a cryptocurrency, uh, just a voucher, like a gift voucher, like you would buy a gift voucher from a, you know, a store and then be able to swap that product for a, another product from the store. So you go and buy a gift voucher, I send it to you, Duncan, say happy birthday, you go off to the store, you buy yourself a shirt mm -hmm. you know, with that voucher. So let's use vouchering as a new way to transact. So effectively what we've built is money vouchers, six or 50 money vouchers. You can buy those money vouchers uh, uh, using cash, bank cards, cryptocurrency. Um, we store the voucher value in a fully uh, banking grade transactional account. And we allow you to use those vouchers to access products and services that are available through our network of merchants. So it's, it's like a bank account. Uh, the only difference is it's a vouchering system. So you're buying a voucher as a product and you're redeeming that for other products and services. So completely different to the way that uh, people are transacting at the moment. I mean, we see it as quite an innovative solution. Um, and it's, it doesn't require KYC because it's normally, it, it's just a normal gift voucher. So the ability for somebody who is traditionally cash-based, this is kind of where it started. So in May last year, we launched Digital Rands because there were a lot of people that approached us and said, I've got a domestic worker. They're now sitting, you know, in, in the informal sector. They don't have a bank account. Uh, they can't come to the house to collect the money because of lockdown. Mm. So how do we get value to them? So what we did is we launched Digital Rands where one digital rand equals one South African rand. And we allow people to buy the RANDs, the digital RANDs, and to send those digital RANDs to their domestic workers and for them to immediately go off to the likes of ShopRite or YouSave or Checkers and go and buy products uh, or groceries from those stores. So, so that's really what it is. It's a vouchering solution, but it's stored in a transactional account. And um, the, the trick, of course, is to make it usable. Okay, and it's entirely electronic. There's no, when you say vouchers, you're not talking about paper-based vouchers. No, um, it's, it's unlike a normal voucher. So you and I would be, you know, traditionally we go buy a voucher. It's got a, a bearer document, it's a piece of paper. Um, it has a number on it and we go and exchange that voucher for something else. Whereas with us, what we do is we take your voucher value, we put it into a transactional account. So if you buy 100 digital rands, you've got 100 digital rands in your account. And you can go spend a fraction of that, or you can you can top up that account at any point in time by buying more vouchers or using those vouchers. Mm -hmm. So it's a very much a on-ramp for cash-based customers to hold a digital store of value um, and to, for the first time, actually access products and services by simply scanning any Zapper QR code, for example, mm -hmm. um, or going off to you know a retailer that's integrated with us and using a token number to make a payment at the at the toll point. We've also got airtime and data purchases in apps. So if you're a cash-based customer and you've never had access to buying airtime or data online, this is the way you do it now. Interesting. Okay, so how would it work in practice as a consumer using this? If I arrive at, uh, at, a, at a point of sale, what would I do? So in app, you register for free on the 650 app. Um, you get a free transactional account with us. So then you say, okay, I want to buy X amount of digital rands. Let's say you want to buy 200 digital rands. 
you have the choice of if you're a cash-based customer, you can go to any of our integrated stores. So that's the likes of Pick and Pay, ShopRite, Pip Stores, Ackermans, Macros. We've done the integration at all the tool points. And you go into the store and you do a normal bill payment as you would pay your electricity account. You say, I want to make a mobile payment uh, on this token number. And effectively, you, they scan that QR code, sorry, that barcode. You make your payment of 200 Rand and immediately you've got 200 digital Rands sitting in your account that's usable. Alternatively, you can pay by bank card um, or you can use an instant EFT. We've done an integration with Ozo for instant EFT. And then more recently, we now accept five different cryptocurrencies uh, where you can go straight from Bitcoin into digital rands on the same kind of basis. Okay, I was going to ask how that, where the crypto angle comes in. Uh, how have you done that integration? I, I imagine it's not a trivial exercise. It's, it's, it's a, it was a very complicated integration, Duncan. I mean, we, we looked at the crypto environment and there's so many reports and, and surveys to support the fact that, you know, more than 93% of crypto holders are looking to actually spend their crypto value. They don't just want to hold it as an asset class. They actually want to, they want to use it. Um, so the problem that you've got is unless you're, you know, buying a Tesla or, you know, um, you want to go buy a Ferrari at a specific store or, you know, and there's been a couple of stores that have tried to um, make crypto payments viable at Tillpoint. But what we realized was that the merchants that we've integrated with don't want to accept Bitcoin or, you know, Dash or, you know, anything like Litecoin. It's too, it's too volatile for them to accept as a payment. So the fact that we can settle in RANs but we could actually take Bitcoin and convert it into a digital RAND and then make that RAND available in a fiat, you know, sort of off-RAND to the merchant made it a very viable proposition for us to be that sort of middle layer between the crypto world and the, and the fiat world. The same as we actually lay between the cash world and the sort of digital RANDs world or digital uh, fiat world. So the integration was quite complex. Um, you can imagine that, you know, when somebody wants to convert a Bitcoin into a, a local South African stable, you know, value. Mm. Uh, we have to go through an, through an exchange. So we've got a, an integration with an international exchange, whereby you know you say I want to buy X amount of rands. It will give you the crypto rate at the time, mm -hmm. and you will then have five minutes to confirm that purchase. And if you don't, as soon as you say I'm I'm happy with that rate, um, it confirms that rate for five minutes, and you must then make the payment via your your crypto wallet. So if you're a Luno account holder, for example, yeah. you would copy and paste the address, you would copy and paste the amount into your Luna wallet, and you'd make that payment. If you do that all in five minutes, the rate is guaranteed. Uh, but it's, it's quite interesting, because when you call for that, that sort of um, rate on Bitcoin to Rand, it refreshes every five seconds, because that's how volatile it is. So every five <laughs> seconds, there'll be a new rate. Um, and of course, we had to do that integration um, to, to make that available. Right. Okay. So you need, you need to have mobile data available to use the service. Yeah, you need to be on mobile data or you need to have a Wi-Fi connection. Um, so as long as you've got uh, data, you can use our app for that particular purpose. Yeah. Okay. Correct. It's quite interesting what you say about consumers wanting to spend their crypto because I, my perception of it was actually the opposite. I thought um, people are buying crypto as an investment rather than, uh, I mean, particularly Bitcoin, uh, as yeah. an investment uh, rather than as, um, as seeing it as digital cash. So it's, a, it's an interesting debate that, I mean, I think the reality is because there aren't any off-ramps for crypto, um, it's by default become an investment product as opposed to a currency. I mean, crypto was always cryptocurrency. It wasn't crypto on its own. Mm. And the, the concept of a currency is something that is uh, the, akin to money. And because it's money, it must be a medium of exchange by, by definition. And the medium exchange component of crypto has been missing. Um, and I mean, there are so many initiatives for 
organizations trying to make crypto more usable as a, as a source of payment. Uh, but they've just failed because of the volatility. So, so I think if you look at a lot of the surveys, I mean, most recent one I read was from payments.com. Um, and it's very clearly highlighted that the majority of people actually want to hold that value and spend it and use it. A lot of the crypto holders in our environment are people that don't qualify for bank accounts. Um, so a lot of the Zimbabweans and Malawians in South Africa, oh, for example. Interesting. interesting. And, and of course, they're holding this value because they can't qualify for a bank account um, mm. because they don't necessarily have the right documentation. But they can't use that value to participate in the digital economy uh, in terms of payments. And, and we're enabling that now. Very interesting. So, just take me practically through how it would work. Let's say I've um, I've got a few bitcoins in a in a in a in a cryptocurrency exchange wallet on my phone, and I now yes. want to uh, I want to go to Shoprite and I want to buy some goods with my Bitcoin. What what practically do I do? So, the first iteration we wanted to have available was that you would go to Shoprite. Uh, when you get there, you you know you want to confirm your three hundred rand purchase, and you select Bitcoin, and it all just happens behind the scenes. But that's yeah. not practical at the moment. Okay. The problem that you've got is it takes a while for the Bitcoin to register on the blockchain. Um, so that transaction needs to be confirmed, and it's not practical, even if it is five minutes, for you to be waiting in the line to confirm a payment. I mean, imagine trying to buy a cup of coffee and keeping everyone holding, you know, while your blockchain transaction is being confirmed. Yeah. It, would, it wouldn't be practical. So what we've done for first phase, Duncan, is we allow you to go from Bitcoin to digital rands. The minimum purchase of digital rands is 300 rand. Um, so you would then convert whatever Bitcoin you've got to make up the 300 Rand value in the digital Rand value in your 6.50 account. That takes all of about five minutes. Um, and once it's sitting in your 6.50 account, you can instantly go and use it at ShopRite or buy the cup of coffee through a Zappa merchant, as an example. Mm -hmm. But you would need to hold the value with us. So that's why we say we act as this bridge between the two. But it's a, it's a value store in the middle that converts something really volatile into something stable that can be used from a merchant perspective to accept this payment. So we like to use the terminology that we're making crypto payments as acceptable as bank cards for merchants. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting what you say about Bitcoin and it taking a while to register on the blockchain. I know there's, there was this, uh, there is this thing called the Lightning Network, which was meant to address many of these issues. What's happened to that? Is it, is it still being developed? Um, is, it, is it solving these real world problems? Well, I mean, the interesting part from our perspective is we're integrating with, a, with an offshore exchange at the moment, and, and that's a five-minute process that we have to confirm these transactions because uh -huh. they, they're running algorithms which actually pick up that the payment has actually started. And based on the algorithm, they run a, a calculation in terms of the probability of success of that transaction being finally um, concluded. And they then take the risk on the algorithm to give us a confirmation that the payment is actually going gonna, gonna to happen, which is quite interesting because it speeds up that confirmation to us um, from, from the exchange. We have subsequently, you know, to releasing our beta version of this whole process, uh, been approached by some of the local exchanges. Um, and they now sent us, because of, you know, lightning networks or because of common, commonality on wallets, um, they could probably speed up our processing time. Um, so we've got a lot more um, investigation going into, into having a look at lightning networks, alternative, you know, integrations with local exchanges to try and speed that up. I don't know what the status is of the lightning network as we stand, uh, but it is at the moment under investigation by the team. Okay, interesting. Now, um you've got these digital rands which you've described as electronic vouchers uh would it make any sense uh for for you to develop your own cryptocurrency 
So we don't really want to play in the crypto space at this stage, um, Duncan. And the reason is I'm staying below the regulatory framework. I mean, I don't want to, to get involved in having to KYC, even if it is a light, light KYC for our users. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this space was to, to hit that segment of the market where no one else is actually tackling, you know, the non-KYC market. Um, so, so for us to go into the crypto it would have to be a, a real um, sort of push into a value proposition that made sense. That, that crypto space is quite actively sort of pursued. I think it's a very competitive space now. Uh, whereas, you know, the vouchering space with the non-KYC area is actually sort of, it's, it's really, you know, open for opportunity. Um, and we see ourselves playing there. Where we do see an opportunity, I mean, if you think about it from a, a digital dollar perspective, I mean, which is kind of where I started the conversation, is that, you know, if we can make it very easy for you to hold a digital dollar value, mm. then we can actually make it possible to, for you to hold the representation of any other value. So for us, we would see our opportunities more as an aggregator where we as a company would be able to hold the value on your behalf and then unitize that value to give you a claim against the value that we hold effectively without you having to go through having your own exchange or having to go through the KYC process. So okay. that, that's the sweet spot for us. Okay. And, and do you see this remaining as a transactional offering or do you see it expanding beyond that perhaps into some sort of savings product at some point? Yeah, so what we're doing is we're already um, uh, integrating with uh, various financial services players, I mean, regulated players. So even in the credit space where we are starting to open up opportunities for our membership base to receive credits without credit scores. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, organ uh, well, effectively a typical member that never had access to a loan, uh, we're looking at innovative ways to actually make uh, loan values available. So, you know, someone who is sitting with a 6.50 account, you know, if you give them two or 300 Rand revolving facility, on their digital rands, they can go and buy a few products, you know, open up a little table with an umbrella, you know, buy a couple of products, sell them, and hopefully start a business uh, because it's the first time someone's actually believed in them and given them access without going through this whole credit school process. So, so yes, most certainly we're involved with that. Uh, we are involved uh, because of my background in the medical schemes industry. Uh, we're, we're going to be launching a healthcare product uh, through another regulated entity that will provide that for us. And effectively, what we do is we act as the payment vehicle for them. So a lot of these financial services businesses battle to collect the premiums that are, are due because the guys don't have bank accounts. They can't put a debit order. Um, whereas what we do is we collect the premiums through the digital RANS environment and we make those premiums available to the insurance companies or the credit providers. So again, we don't necessarily see ourselves playing in the space of providing those regulated products, but we see ourselves as facilitating the payment to them. I see. Okay. And uh, you said you integrated with Zappa, was it? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. So in fact, 6.50 is the first and only application uh, where you can scan any Zappa QR code around the country and pay without having to link your bank card. So, you know, the, the Zappers wow. and the Snap scans of the world, yeah. in order for you to participate, you have to link your bank card. Um, yes. So in our environment, no bank card required. As a cash-based customer, you can go to pick and pay. You can go and buy your digital RANs using cash. And immediately you can go off and you can go and scan any Zapper code and buy your, you know, your coffee or your, you know, your pay for your meal ticket. In fact, you can even buy air tickets online using Zapper now, you know, through 6.50 as well. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm interested, yeah. I'm intrigued that you, you've integrated already with so many retailers. You mentioned over 40,000. Is it point of sale devices that you've integrated with or, or um, 
Yeah, so our, our product is, you know, again, we want to focus on um, converting cash and crypto into a digital representation of value being our vouchers. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't really want to do direct merchant integration or go and spend a whole lot of time securing merchants. So we did strategic integrations like Zappa, where mm. we do one integration with Zappa, we get 30,000 merchants um, okay. you know, that, that are suddenly available. We've also done an integration with the Y Group, which is now YoYo Wallet, um, and that gives us access to... Uh, ShopRite, famous brands, uh, KPN Mart Group. Um, so, you know, within those stables, we're now going live with Nando soon. Um, and we keep on adding through our integrated partners. So effectively, we're integrating through networks to reach the merchants. Um, we're busy with an integration at the moment, which if it comes off, will give us um, hundreds of thousands of merchants around the country that you'll be able to access uh, through 6.50, again, without having to have a bank account. Okay, fascinating. I was going to ask, I mean, it must be very, very difficult to go to every single retail group and say, can we integrate with your point of sale systems, please? I mean, I'm sure they've yeah. got APIs they can expose to you and all that sort of thing, but um, going to every single one would be a very time-consuming process and tedious process, I'm sure. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated pro process, Duncan, and the reason is that, you know, we're coming in as, as a startup and, we, you know, it's not like we've got hundreds of thousands of members we're going to go to to shop right and say, we're going to bring you hundreds of thousand people mm. into your stores. We're a startup and we have an idea and we think this idea can really work and it can bring people into financial inclusion environment, but we can't promise anything at this stage other than an opportunity. So, you know, for these organizations to dedicate resources to integrate with us is a, is a challenge. Sure. Um, sure. Whereas if we go with the existing integrations that they have through their POS devices, and we tell the story about what we can do and they believe in what we can offer. It's a very simple plug and play solution for us. So we don't have to go and do those direct integrations. I think there are a couple of strategic integrations where uh, we have been approached by some of the bigger merchants and those would make sense in, on a direct one-to-one. -one. And I think the reason is that these, these merchants are also looking for uh, digital payments as opposed to cash. I mean, they don't really want to take cash in their stores. Mm. And if we can offer them a new way for cash-based customers to actually participate digitally, then they most certainly want to support that. I mean, we've had a lot of support from the merchants around that process. I just wanted to ask you a last question around the cryptocurrencies. Which cryptos yeah. do you support specifically and why? Okay, so we, we've chosen to go with Bitcoin, obviously being the biggest. Sure. Um, then we've got Bitcoin um, Cash, uh, we've got Litecoin, we've got Dash, and we've got Ethereum. So effectively, the reason we went with those, those are the most traded um, cryptos um, and most commonly held cryptos. And uh, the exchange that we work with offshore, um, based on their trading volumes, those were the biggest. So it made sense for us to do that. But there's no reason why we can't switch on any of the cryptocurrencies that are formally registered uh, through an exchange. So, okay. so from our side, we're just focusing on the big ones. But most certainly, we can switch on any of them uh, yeah. as, as time unfolds. Yeah. All right. So you I think, you, I think, yeah. Sorry, sorry Karen. Karen. No, I was just going to say, I think, I think the opportunity around the crypto is to, to, again, you know, engage with our user base, find out exactly what, what works for them. And we've had amazing feedback from the crypto guys already just saying, listen, this is where we think you should work. I mean, have you considered Lightning Networks? Have you, you, know, have you spoken to the local exchanges? And, and we're finding their input is, is absolutely valuable. I mean, because they, you know, some of them are real diehard crypto enthusiasts from, from you know, the beginning. And then others are those guys that actually want to get into crypto. They've got a bit of FOMO. They're a bit worried they're missing out, but they don't know how to participate. And obviously just want to go in very simply without all their complexity. So sure. for us, it's, it's really listening to the users and building what they want. Are you, are you impressed? I mean, I, 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 it seems that there's, there's a, quite a lot of innovation going on in the cryptocurrency market in South Africa. Is that a, a correct observation in your view? 
Yeah, I, I think there. I think there's a lot of attempts um, to to become more and more innovative. Yeah. Um, but but I think that you know there's there's these purists that I think are where the problem really really fits in. I mean, in I've read quite a lot of reports around you know merchants must accept Bitcoin. Um, so what they'll build is I'll spend a lot of time building the ability for merchants to integrate and actually accept Bitcoin as payment. Yeah. Um, but but where they're failing to to really hit the mark is that the bigger organizations that have got tool point integrations across multiple stores are not going to just run and take a Bitcoin payment and then figure out the conversion. So so for us, we see this hybrid solution where we fit has been a new innovative space, this bridge between the two worlds. Um, not, not the purists aren't really big you know, fans of that. But I think the practical solution is that we need to tie those worlds together. And even if it is a process for the next 12 to 24 months, we most certainly want to play in that space because it's very easy for us to convert mm. from going from Bitcoin to digital rands to merchant uh, versus going straight from Bitcoin to merchant because we've already got the integration. So when the time is right, we'll switch that over. But for now, uh, we think the innovation we've got is, is a better kind of innovation okay. uh, where it's not too pure, but it solves the problem. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Warren, before I let you go, um, maybe just take us through your business model. I presume you take some sort of cut of the transaction. Um, what's the revenue model for, for your company? Yeah, so, so Dan, I mean, we wanted to make this free for our users. So effectively, it's free to open a 6.50 account. It's free to buy digital RANs, uh, whether you're using cash, bank cards, uh, crypto, et cetera. I mean, obviously, from a crypto perspective, there is a conversion fee from Bitcoin to, you know, going from Bitcoin to dollars to RANs. Um, and that, that works out, at, you know, at a percentage of the transaction. Uh, but it's very transparent. Uh, as far as peer-to-peer -peer payments, uh, free. You can send digital rands to any other member on our platform for free. Um, the only time that the, the, the consumer pays anything is if they have to, if they request a refund on their on their digital rands value. Now, just to go back to that, the Consumer Protection Act in South Africa governs what we do as prepaid voucher sales. And where somebody holds a voucher and they can't use it for whatever reason, they are entitled to a refund. So if you want a refund of your digital range, you can go to any pick and pay store around the country um, and there's a 10 rand fee for a refund. Okay, that's the only fee that the consumer pays. Yeah. The revenue model from our side is whenever you use your digital rand value at any of our merchants, uh, we, we receive a settlement fee from those merchants as if they were paying you know, credit card fees or you know, any other fees that they would associate with taking payment. The only difference between ourselves and the bank card fees is that we are more affordable for, for the merchant's perspective. So the merchant's very happy to integrate with us because our fees mm. aren't as high as taking a bank card fee, for example. Interesting. It's a merchant settlement fee. Mm -hmm. The consumer doesn't yeah. pay it. Consumer doesn't pay. I mean, obviously, if you're buying airtime or data on our platform, then from the MNOs, we're receiving a commission on the airtime and data sales. Um, if you don't use our platform, we don't make any any revenue. So the whole idea is to align our interests. We've got to make it enticing enough for you to use um, because if you don't use it, we don't make money. Is there an opportunity to for merchants to advertise through your apps? Is that a, is that a potential revenue model going forward? Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, the question really is where we where we end up. I mean, at the moment, we've built our own app, um, Duncan, and you can go onto 6 or 50 app and you can integrate, you know, you can use the app to access all these products and services and scan codes, etc. The ideal model will be that you can link for example, let's take Zapper. I mean, my first choice, my first prize with Zapper would be that in the Zapper app, you could link your 6.50 account and use the Zapper app to scan anything. Instead of linking your bank card, you just link your 6.50 account. So you would never need to have the 6.50 app for that purpose. Mm -hmm. um, 
we've already got uh, we've already got a, a, an app for the Shembi Church. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Um, but I'm not. We, so we've the, the Shembi Nazareth Church is uh, 6.7 million odd followers in South Africa, second biggest church in the country. Um, they approached us on the basis of um, us providing them a payment solution where they could sell the Shembi Care Plan, which is access to educational services, uh, legal assistance, road hire assistance, nursing lines. Um, and we now actually run the Shembi Church app. So it's a 6.50 powered by solution. And you can, you can download the Shembi app for free. You get a 6.50 account for free. And you can use that app to pay for your Shembi care plan uh, through the subscription model. So, so again, there, you know, we, we don't charge licensing fees, but we, we, we sort of integrate with organizations where they need transactional accounts for their users. And we just earn on the, on the upside of the actual transaction fees that come through. Fascinating stuff. I'm going to go and grab that app straight after this podcast and uh, and have a look at it. Warren Fenter is founder of 6.50. Thanks for sharing your insights and I look forward to watching how the platform develops in the coming years. Yeah, thank you very much, Duncan. I mean, I think the sweet spot for us is really the guys that are, you know, looking to pay their domestic workers um, Mm -hmm. that are cash-based. Perfect solution, you know, rather pay them with digital rands than giving them cash and then they end up getting robbed on the way home. Yeah. I mean, these are the kind of solutions that we're trying to make available to our users. So, so most certainly thank you for your time. And it's, uh, it's great to chat to you again after all these years. Pleasure. Thanks so much, Warren. Yeah, appreciate it.